You're listening to the Mental Health Download Podcast from the Nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Whitney Sapola, the Association's Advocacy Specialist. I'm joined by Dr. Rebecca Hubbard with Oklahoma State University Center for Health Sciences, Representative Jeff Boatman representing District 67, and Leader Floyd of District 46 to talk about mental health in schools and the importance of youth mental health in our state. Thanks for being here. I'm going to ask you both this first question. Why is educating youth about mental health so important, especially following the pandemic? We'll start with Leader Floyd. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very honored to be on this podcast with you all and talking about these issues because they're so very important. And I know that Representative Boatman has, has been a champion in the House, so I appreciate being on with him. I think one of the things that we've seen with COVID is it's just sort of brought to light some of the issues that have been simmering just under the under the surface. It's been exasperated. Those issues have been exasperated. Having children and young people so far out of their normal zone has been so trying on everybody. It's been it's been very difficult for the young people. It's been very difficult on the families. I know I have 32 schools, K through 12 in my district, and all within the city limits of Oklahoma City. So I've had a lot of parents and uh, teachers call me about issues that have come up and, and concerns they've had for the mental health issues of their, of their kiddos. So I think that we've had these issues, but I think COVID has really just brought them to light on, on how difficult transitions are for our kids, especially you know, especially in the atmosphere we live in. It's been a very difficult atmosphere even before COVID, and it's COVID has just, just made things so much more difficult. So I think it's now more than ever incredibly important that we focus on the mental health of our, of our kiddos. Absolutely. Representative Boatman, what are your thoughts? Thank you very much. And, and I like that. Thank you so much, Whitney. And, and, and to you, Dr. Hubbard, thank you for the leadership that you both provide in this, this critical area and the hard work that you do year round. And, and I'm appreciative of, of Senator Floyd and her leadership in the Senate on mental health issues. These are critical to our state and it, it just doesn't get the, the, the conversation, the airtime that it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the leader did a great job of describing, you know, COVID exacerbated a number of of issues. We have always had these mental health issues with our kiddos, but in a normal situation, part of a coping mechanism and part of dealing with that is a support system of friends and family and and even just a routine. And, And COVID interrupted our routine and they separated us and not from family so much because we were together with them a lot for, for the last year, but, but we were separated from friends and we were, the, our, our kids didn't get to go to school and, and have those interactions and, and have those shared experiences where they're able to work through some of the issues that, that, that they have. It doesn't fix mental health problems, but it, but it becomes a coping mechanism for it. And, and that, that was just taken away. And it was taken away suddenly and it was taken away for a long time. And so I think as we're returning back to schools and we're and we're coming out on the the backside of this COVID uh, pandemic, we need to be focusing on mental health and we need to look at those long lasting issues. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the health issues that came from COVID, but the secondary issues that are going to be possibly even more impactful. We need to start taking a look at those. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much. I want to say thank you to both of you, Senator Floyd and Representative Boatman, for the very important work you're doing on the Hill there at our Capitol. And I would like to thank you specifically for the work related around mental health. As we know, it's very important, as you very well articulated right here. I'd like to ask you each a little bit about your respective bills that are related to mental health in schools. I'd like to start with Representative Boatman. You brought forth House Bill 1568. It's received wonderful support and is actually on its way to the governor's desk after passing unanimously through the Senate. Uh, what will this legislation do if it is signed into law? Yeah, thank you for the question. 1568 is a bill. I've worked on it for a couple of years now. It took a little while to get it over the through the hurdle. Senator Hayes helped me with it this session and was a great champion on the Senate side. 1568, it is going to come back to the House to accept a couple of minor Senate amendments uh, to bring it in line with some things that the State Department of Ed wanted added. But but that's that's an easy one and the governor seems willing to sign it. So I'm excited about that. But it, it does two things really. It it just says as you're teaching health to students in public schools, you need to talk about mental health at an age appropriate level, just just as much as physical health, and you need to talk about how those two interact and how they impact each other. And, and the reason for that is we have a stigma around discussing mental health. Our, our, we just don't talk about it, and if we do, we talk about it in hushed tones, and and we're just, it's not comfortable conversations. And, and I think if our kids could become more comfortable with that conversation, comfortable with the fact that this isn't just them, that this is something that many people go through and, and just understanding that it's a real thing. It's I'm not just really sad. I, I really have something going on and it's a real thing. Then we could have better discussions and maybe more of those kids as, as they get older would would seek help and, and be able to get therapy and get treatment. And so it just says that we're going to teach mental health as part of health. The other thing that the bill does is it empowers districts to reach out to nonprofits and, and community partners for resources. You, you don't have to do everything through the State Department of Ed. They, they shouldn't have to provide every resource because we have wonderful community partners and, and nonprofits that care very much about this and have great resources. And it, in, in fact, one of the things the bill does is partners the Department of Ed with Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services because they have great resources to help already. That's what 1568 does in a nutshell. Thank you so much. And I couldn't agree more that the more that we talk about something, the more it normalizes, the lower stigma is, and the more likely people will reach out for help, particularly youth. So thank you so much for authoring this bill and bringing it forward. Uh, Dr. Hubbard, if I if I could, just regarding Representative Boatman's bill, one of the things that, that I was so impressed with and was the fact that they incorporated the nonprofits into it and helped add that resource because it's so critical. And we do have a lot of nonprofits who are who have been doing this work long before it was it was as public or as popular as it is now. So that was that was one of the I thought most innovative parts of Representative Boatman's bill was to incorporate that resource in there. So I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you, Jeff, about it, but I was just real I was really impressed with the bill. Thank you, Senator. I appreciate that. Certainly. Thank you, Senator Floyd. And I couldn't agree more. We are definitely better together. And the more we can bring to the table, the more we can lift, right, and help out yeah. across Oklahoma. So turning to you and your Senate Bill 21, which has also enjoyed wonderful support in this, in this session, 
and recently passed through the house. Um, my understanding has been referred for enrollment. Can you talk a little bit to us about what this legislation will accomplish? Certainly. Dr. Hubbard, I, I appreciate all your work and everything that you do. Uh, it's, it's nice to know we've got partners out in the real world that are supportive and helpful. So thank you. Senate Bill 21 is a suicide prevention training in our schools. And um, I, I started in the House a few years ago. I was in the House for two years before I was in the Senate. And I'm in my ninth year total in the legislature. And my first year in the House, I was approached by some mental health professionals and some parents um, and teachers, just a lot of community uh, interaction because there had been some uh, suicide, teen suicides in one of the areas of my district. And so I started a non-official working group and just brought everybody to the table to find out what we had in place, if anything, in our schools and what we could do if we didn't to, to implement things in the school. So the result was a bill that I ran, uh, I tried to run uh, my first year, and Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, uh, Stephen Buck was there at the time, and they already had some programs ready to go for suicide prevention training in our schools. They were uh, resources they could make available to the schools for free. The parents were enthusiastic, and uh, the teachers were, were kind of a mixed bag, because at the time, one of the biggest concerns that, that we had that legislative year was putting more and more mandates on our teachers. And just, it, it doesn't sound like a lot when you have to have one hour of training or two hours of training, but when that's on top of 10, 15, 18 hours of other training in other areas, it was just becoming unworkable for them. So I ran the bill the first year. I couldn't get much traction because of that, because of that concern. So came back the second year after, after working on it during the interim and, and getting everybody back together and, trying to figure out how we can make it work. And the second year I ran it started off with it being mandatory. And that was obvious pretty early on that it wasn't going to go anywhere. So I changed the may, the shall have training in the schools to may have training in the schools. So that's what we've had for the last few years. I've been watching the stats of suicide in, in the country. And as of the most recent CDC study, which is about a year and a half old, the suicide was the second leading cause of death for young people in our country, 10 to 21 years of age. One study said 24, but it doesn't matter, 21 or 24, it's that stats, that's just not acceptable. So last year, one of my colleagues, who was a social services and a counselor, mental health counselor, wanted to run the bill and change it from a may to a shall. I supported her on that. I thought it was a great idea. She had the, the background professionally to get it done. And then we've got COVID in the state. And so the legislature slowed down and then grind to stop. Every bill just died where, well, it stopped where it was in the process. It had already cleared the, the Senate and was on its way over to the House. So it had cleared committee and the floor and was had, had a lot of support when it got to the House. And then uh, when we we interrupted session when we came back in in May. The plan on our side was that only COVID-related emergency bills would be you know, would be considered, and that's the plan we went had going into it. But some some bills that probably weren't COVID-related sneaked through. And going back in my mind, had I had I known how things were going to turn out, I would have pushed harder for the bill. But we had a set of rules and. It was a very truncated last couple of weeks to get things through. So 
everybody, myself included, in the legislature started all over again with their bills this year. So you had to start from square one. It got through the uh, Senate. I'm running at this time. Uh, it's time, and, and uh, my colleague is not there anymore. And so it it's, uh, gives me a, an opportunity to sort of finish what I started. So it went through with a great deal of support on both sides. Um, and the bill basically is the same language we've always had in there. It just made a few major changes to the, to the current law. It now makes mandatory training of uh, suicide prevention training for our teachers. Uh, they have to take uh, at least one hour every two years. The districts, the school districts, and it's a school district by school district call can mandate more if they want. If they think two hours is necessary every one year, they can do that. The program that training that the teachers receive is provided by Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. It's free. If the district wants to get a more intense training or a longer training and they want to spend the money on it, they can do that. That's their option. And uh, the first year, we'll have mandatory training for all of the teachers in all the school districts. And then the second year, we will start teaching a student's course because what we know from our research is that a lot of times it's that peer-to-peer -peer interaction that's the first sign of trouble. And you may notice your best friends acting strange, whereas a teacher, uh, even with all of their training, may think, well, it's just adolescence. They're just you know, having a bad day. They lost the basketball game a week ago, and they're just depressed. It, it, it's important to have the students taught also, and that was new. Uh, that was not in the original bill six years ago that we ran, and that was based on uh, Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse tracking what's been going on in the state with the, with the school districts that did implement the suicide prevention training program. And, and so we were able to tweak it this time and, and make it more targeted on what, we, what we've seen needed to be done. Excellent, thank you so much. You know, you really bring up some very good points in the, in the realm of teachers, while they have a lot of training that they need to do, with the shift in culture and a higher focus on mental health and the students learning about mental health and this these generations that are coming up simply being more open about their needs and where they're at in their life, mm -hmm. teachers are going to find themselves more and more with situations that if they're well-equipped, won't be so overwhelming, right? If they weren't well-equipped, it might be a little overwhelming and they might not know what to do. And so I think that's such a valuable piece of legislation that you brought forth. And I know you've kind of had to ride the culture as, as over these last nine years, but thank you for sticking with it and for being willing to, to be pliable and malleable with the wordage so that we can at least get what we can get and to support our teachers and our kiddos in our, in our state. Also, House Bill 1593, which was brought forward by Representative Provenzano and Senator Stanley, they're wanting to add mental health training as well for teachers within the context of this professional development legislative piece. And you've touched a little bit on not only importance of educating youth, but, but educating teachers in the school setting. So what I'd like is just, if you wouldn't mind speaking a little bit about what you hope for these pieces of legislature to do as they come together and looking at support for teachers as they're in the classroom and with the, with the youth, probably sometimes more than family might be. And I'll start with uh, Senator Floyd on this one. 
I think that one of the things we're seeing is that they're really, it, it all ties together. And sometimes you have to walk down the path a little bit further to see that, that all these trees are in the same orchard, but it's, it's something that I, I'm pleased that this session we seem to be more, more aware of, and we're, we're tying it all together. And, and Representative Boatman's bill is a perfect example of, of just plugging holes here and there as we see them and we see the need. And I see more of a inclination of my colleagues to, to listen to this and to, to incorporate it than I've seen in the nine years I've been here. And that's not to say that the people I've served with in the past didn't care about it, but it seems to be more in our more on our minds right now. And I, I think a lot of that is COVID and so many, so much discussion that we have nationwide and worldwide um, on how this is affecting people and especially especially young people, the isolation that they feel. I mean, it's tough enough to be an adolescent it, during a normal year. And, and we, we haven't had a normal year. We didn't have a normal year last year. We're not going to have one this year. And by the time we get to next year, we're probably just going to start redefining what normal is. So I think it's, it's been critical. And I think that the legislature has done a pretty good job tying in the mental health aspect of it and recognizing that that we had issues and that just been exasperated. And it, it does help also that we have, you know, we have quite a few teachers in the legislature and that's been very, very beneficial because we've had um, a perspective that on, on what it's like in the classroom during a normal year and what it's like now with COVID and having the students at home and trying to do virtual learning and then blending the learning and, and so it's been invaluable to have their input because they can show us where we were and they can show us how we can try to get to where we need to be. And they're very creative. Teachers are very creative. And I think at least in Oklahoma, they've had to be because funding is always a challenge. And so they have to come up with ways of getting their job done with perhaps not as much uh, resources as they could have. So just from a 20,000 foot view, that's, that's what I think is going on. Thank you so much. And yes, in Oklahoma, we definitely love our teachers. And I couldn't agree more that we're really doing a great job, or you all are really doing a great job at the legislative level of filling in the gaps around mental health and bringing forward a more comprehensive approach legislatively for mental health in Oklahoma. And we all, as a mental health professional and, and representative of various um, mental health entities, we are all very excited and very encouraged by these advancements. So thank you again so much. And Representative Bowden, could you speak to the benefits of teacher training as well? Absolutely. If I could really quickly, I, I think Senator Floyd brought up something really significant on her SB 21 when she was talking about that, that, that I think is, is key to this. ODMH had the resources on suicide prevention training already available. We, we had those resources in our state and she did a, a great job in her bill of kind of marrying those two together. We, we've got the resources, it's not going to be a big cost. It, all the stuff that we need to get done, yes, we need more investment, but we also, you know, we need to be looking at some of the things that already exist and, and kind of breaking down some of the silos. And I love how she did that in SB 21 and, and has a couple of big agencies working together to address this issue. It, it, as far as teacher training, you, Dr. Hubbard, you said something earlier that, that's spot on. Our teachers spend more time 
with the kiddos in our state, then a lot of times parents have are able to because they're they're at school and parents are at work and 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 they spend more of their good awake time with, with those students and, and they have the ability to see things that that friends and parents just may not have the opportunity to see. They see how children respond to different lectures and, and, and what their test results look like over periods of time and how they're responding to things. And, and teachers are very in tune with the students in their class. And, and so I think that I actually had a bill earlier this session that, that was going to provide some teacher training. And when I when I saw Representative Provenzano's bill and we had another bill that kind of redefine how teacher training had to be done and and clean that up a little bit. I felt like this was a better session to just let that bill kind of lay over and watch and see what this 1593 did and and maybe think about that as a later deal. But absolutely, I think our teachers are key checkpoints on how our kids are doing. And and I'm not I'm not ever going to advocate for trying to give our teachers more things to do. They, they're they're busy enough. They're they're working and, and scrambling to get enough stuff done. But the truth is they already do this. They already care about our kids. They already pay attention to the well-being of our kids. We, we have teachers that are, are taking weekends to go by kids' houses and check in and make sure that they're eating. And I mean, they're, they're all, they're amazing people. They're doing these things already. I like these bills that empower them and give them more tools to make that job easier for them. So I, I represented Provenzano and I believe that was Senator Stanley on, on that yes. one. We hear that yeah. on the Senate side. I think they did a fantastic job of, of identifying some specific needs and, and without, you know, I think Senator Stanley, or Senator Floyd said earlier, kind of plugging small holes. They, they, they found a few areas where we could, we could give them some resources. And I think that's going to be key. Thank you both so much. And I, I really just love how the conversation led us to this topic of teachers. I myself am a former teacher. It, it genuinely makes me a little bit emotional to know that this progress is being made because I know this will save lives because I've seen it firsthand. My sixth graders, I, I left the classroom, which was a difficult decision, but I did so because I saw the systemic issues that impacted their ability to learn that didn't optimize their chances of success. And so I just want to take this time to really thank you because this is going to make a big difference in the youth of our state. So yes, thank you so much for the work you are doing. These bills are going to be a critical step in improving the state of mental health of Oklahoma. We know according to Mental Health America, we actually rank 46 out of all the states and District of Columbia for youth mental health. So while this moves us forward, there's still a lot to be done. So looking forward, what other investments do you all think the legislature can make to keep improving the state of mental health in Oklahoma for our young people? And I'll start with the representative Boatman this time. All right, I, I try to keep my answers relatively short, but this one's gonna be a little longer. So I apologize in advance. Uh, um, <laughs> I, it, you know, it was mentioned earlier, we have had an, a big influx of teachers into the legislature. And, and that's, that's had a, a noticeable difference 
on some of the legislation that's coming out as it relates to education. I, I wish that we had more mental health trained or mental health professionals. Yeah, I, I, as far as I know, I think we have two in the house. There's two of the representative Randleman and myself, I think are the only two that have that background. And I'm I don't know the senators as well, but I think I, Senator Ikeley Freeman was the only one that was in, in the Senate. So I, I, I think we don't have that representation of people with training and, and experience in mental health that we have in some of these other areas. So one of the things I'd love to see is some of those professionals continue to run. And as, as, we're, as we're turning over the membership of those bodies, if there's a natural attrition there. Let's bring in some folks that have a mental health background and can help us continue to address this problem because we need more deep thinkers on this area. And it doesn't have to be the legislators that do it. We need to partner better with our, our, our partners uh, like we are today. But those those discussions need to continue to happen. I, I think with regard to things that we can do, there's two ways that, that we need to invest in, in the mental health. And, and one is that we do need to invest some funding. There, there's programs that we could do that would help our students. I'm I'm starting to think about bills for next session. And one of the things I see is most of our schools now have apps so that our students can look at their schedule and, and you know, in some cases, even check their homework and grades and stuff online. I would love to see telemental health built into those apps so that as, if they're in a crisis situation and, and they need to talk to somebody, you know, we don't have enough counselors in our schools and we don't have enough counselors to put more counselors in our schools. We've got a pipeline problem that we've got to address, but we have enough counselors that we could give every student access to them via a cell phone. And they're very comfortable with those phones and they're very comfortable with those remote conversations. And, and I'd love to see that be something we get done over the next few sessions that I'll be kind of pushing on the next one. Uh, and there's there's other ideas. Again, there's, there's, there's specific things we can do. But then we also need to invest effort in this. And, and, and as I mentioned on, on SB21, kind of breaking down those silos between agencies and, and helping agency, you know, the, the State Department of Education shouldn't be saddled with this entire project. And they have to run point. I mean, that's that's where the schools report up and that, that's how that all works. They're going to have to run point and they're going to have to have that effort. But there's other agencies that can help them. ODMH has so many good resources and they're, they're the earlier in the pipeline we can stop these problems, the better it is for our citizens, the less it costs us as a state, and, and frankly, the easier it is to do. So we, we've got to invest some effort in some across the aisle conversations and across agency conversations and even across, across branch conversations to see what resources that we have that we could deploy better to, to take advantage of what we're doing. I think those are the, the two areas we really ought to be thinking about. Absolutely. Senator Floyd, what are your thoughts? Well, I think I think Representative Boatman's hit some very, very important points, and I think he's he's just spot on. You know, funding is is always an issue and and it's I'm hopeful that with the additional recoveries money that's going to be coming in and the relief money that's going to be coming in, that we can we can find ways to to spend that money that we have dedicated to education to the mental health issues. And I think that there's a lot of people now and I said this earlier, um, you know, those of us that are civilians, we're not teachers, we're not, we're not mental health professionals. We actually now have been on front row seats to see just exactly uh, what kind of 
improvements and, and work we need to do on mental health in Oklahoma. And having the kids home so much, having uh, parents working from home, I think, you know, all of the issues and the mental issues and the, the mental health issues that have been raised by these close quarters and changes in, in patterns and behavior that we've had for, you know, I mean, if you're talking about a high school student who started in first grade at age six, that's been their life for more than half of their life is the, the public school system. And to be jerked out and not have that stair-step resource, it's been really tough on them. So I'm hopeful that, I say that to say this, I'm hopeful that some of the, the COVID monies that come in, some of the CARES Act money that comes in, some of the relief money that comes in, we can use to help uh, bolster our schools and, and make it easier for them to transition back in. The other thing I would I would say is this, I try to be a policy person, not a political person. I just, I think I don't have time for politics. You know, we've just got too much in the state that we've got to do. And I think that we need a long-term you know, strategic plan for education, for mental health. We, we have one for roads and bridges. It's called the eight-year plan. And, and the reason we had that for roads and bridges and transportation in the state is because a few years ago, you know, our legislature realized that you've got change in directors, you've got a change in the House and the Senate, we need some stability, we need a plan that's not being changed every two years or every four years when we get a brand new crop of, of legislators up at the Capitol. We need to be doing that for, for all, of our, all of our core services. We need to do it for education. And, and now I think more people see we need to do it for mental health. And we need to be patient. And we need to be patient with each other and ourselves. We need to be patient with kids. We're, we're not out of this. And even when the virus is under control um, and the pandemic burns out, Lord willing, you know, we're going to have to live with the aftermath. And so we, we're going to just need some patience with each other and ourselves and our, especially our kiddos because they're going to need a lot of support moving forward. So mental health and the resources we have and the resources we develop are going to be critical, critical to our future as a country. Thank you, Senator Floyd. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. And I absolutely love the idea of a long-term plan because how can we get where we want to go if we don't know where we want to go, right? right? Thank you so much for today. What an amazing way to spend our time this morning together. I want to thank you so much for your discussing all of these important topics and the nuances of legislation and intersecting with education and mental health and various departments. There's a lot to handle there. And I know that's just a part of the work that you do. You both have been so gracious to work with myself and Whitney and many others, including family members. And I would just like to ask you to share, if you would, with our listeners, if they want to get involved. And I want to let our listeners know, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your experience is. You can get involved. You can reach out and advocate for mental health in Oklahoma. And so I'd like to start with you, Senator Floyd, if you could just touch on the best way for people to reach out to advocate for this important topic in, in Oklahoma. So I, I, I personally believe, and I saw a few years ago with educators and the, when the teachers, we had so many teachers come up to the Capitol. For me as, as a legislator, and I can't speak for 101 in the House and the 47 others in the Senate. But for me, personal contact, and it doesn't have to be face-to-face, -face, but when they contact my office and, and if you send an email, then a uh, follow-up with a call, 
Or, you know, if you drop by my office when we're in session, that's fine too. I, I really love hearing from my constituents because my district's very diverse. And uh, each one of us in the Senate has about 78,000 constituents, but our districts themselves geographically are quite different. Mine's completely contained within the city limits of Oklahoma City. I serve with Senator Murdoch. He's got the panhandle of Oklahoma. I think he's got four counties. So, but we still both have 78,000 constituents. And so it really helps me to have that contact and for people to, to tell me the issues they're having in real life. And if a bill, especially if they're tracking bills, if you can contact us before the bill is too far along, if there are changes that need to be made or if you have concerns or if you support it, that's very helpful because the further we get in the session and the further a bill and that language gets down the tracks, the harder it is to slow it down and, and fix it, correct it or make it better. So I, I don't think there's anything more, more beneficial to me than just the interaction that I have with constituents, whether it's an email, a phone call, or they come by the office. And my office number is 521-5610. My assistant's name is Amy. And my office is on the south side of the Capitol. It's on the, it's, it's on the fifth floor on the south side of the rotunda. So I encourage my constituents or pretty much any, any Oklahoman that has an issue, I'm, I'm ready, willing, and able to listen. Thank you, Senator Floyd. And that always amazes me because I do know how heavy the load is. And when I reached out to Representative Boatman a few years ago and said, hey, can we talk? He just graciously immediately, yes, let's connect over coffee. And uh, we've been working together since. So Representative Boatman, thank you so much again for all the work you've done. And I'd just like to ask you to add to that wonderful explanation that Senator Floyd offered and suggestions uh, as far as what can people do if they want to advocate for mental health in Oklahoma? Absolutely. And, and it's it's been a pleasure to work with you and with Whitney. I mean, it's just a, a great organization. We have good mental health advocacy organizations. So reaching out to the legislature, I'll, I'll come back to that one in just a second, but but let's not forget your groups and, and, and the fact that you know we have a number of groups in the Tulsa and Oklahoma City areas and in, and in the rural areas as well, but a number of groups in our state that, that advocate, and, and I'm sure that you can use volunteers and, and folks to, to help you with that job as well. I think we have to realize mental health is not a Democrat versus Republican issue. It's not a House versus Senate issue. It's not a rural versus urban suburban issue. And those are kind of the divides in our state that we try to work across. Mental health is not across any of those divides because it touches Democratic children, Democrat children, as well as Republican children. And it touches House members as well as Senate members. And, and, and it's in our, our rural areas as much as it is in our urban and suburban areas. So we all deal with it. It's a common enemy that we can unite against. As far as reaching out to, to legislators, I, I think Senator Floyd put it really well. A personal message is is great. You know, we, we get a lot of emails from Voter Voice or One Click Politics or, you know, the websites where you click a button to let your like, frankly, those are fairly ineffective. We all get thousands of those and probably they get caught in our spam filters. If, if you want us to hear from you, it doesn't make me much difference whether it's an email or whether it's a phone call. I, I'll respond uh, to, to either. If it's an email, let us know that you're a constituent because we do try to focus our time with constituents. House, House members, we, we only have about 37, 38,000 folks that we represent, but that's that's still a lot of people to hear from. And I'll, I will 
I will do my best to help any Oklahoman, but I'm going to focus on the people in House District 67 because they're the ones that get to decide if I go back or not. So if, if you email us, put your address in, let us know where it's not, we're going to start sending junk mail to you. It just helps us identify that you are a constituent and we can, we can kind of track them. If you want to call my, my office number is 405-557-7341. My, my legislative assistant is Frankie Lou. She's a delightful lady. She's happy to, to visit with you and help with anything at all. And, and my office is on the third floor on the house side on the north, north hallway. So I'm always happy to have people come by. I, I think one thing people think they have to make an appointment. You don't. If, if I'm in my office, if, if, even if I'm on the chamber, if you swing by my office, I'm going to get a message that you're there and, and I'm going to do my very, very best to, to step out and at least, you know, exchange information with you. Even if that's all I can do and, and follow back up with you later. But that personal touch, hearing from somebody who's who's really one of us and not some out-of-state person on a mail list yeah. is important to us. Well, thank you both so much for having this conversation with us today. I know we all know education is is really pivotal in investing in our young people. And when we invest in the mental wellness of our youth, they grow up to be happy, healthy adults. So thank you for your leadership and your work in this space. We, we just appreciate all that you do. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.